Welcome to the Stone Church Podcast, a series of conversations inspired by Sunday messages we hope will spark your curiosity and encourage you in your faith journey. Hi, everybody. My name is Ashley Palmer, and welcome to the third episode of our four-part series, Women on Mission. I'm joined again by Stone's very own Associate Pastor of Helps and Administration, Alana Petter, Media Pastor, Kate Tenkate, and Communications Wonder, Tomi Olajide. Okay, so let me know if I miss anything in this recap, but I think we had covered why teaching about women in ministry is so important, how God actually created men and women to complement each other, and how despite being written in a time in history where women were completely overlooked and devalued, the Bible actually gives us a paradigm-breaking image of God's intention and care for women through Jesus's life and ministry even well into the growth of the early church. Okay, Alana, so we're now well into the first set, the first few centuries of the early church. What's happening? Okay, well, for the first um, few hundred years after Christ, women were preaching, teaching, and even leading churches. But at the Council of Laodicea in AD 364 to 365, they actually forbid women to take on these roles any longer. Um, You know, you could say the culture of the day (laughs) invaded the church Mm -hmm. at that time. And and there is um, talk that some of the Gnostic teachings at that time were causing some confusion in the church. And um, in a response to that, they kind of overreacted Mm -hmm. and and came against women. And um, obviously, it ended up restricting women from using their gifts and building up the church. And it had a devastating effect on women in ministry um, for a long, long time after that. Hmm. What passages um, are you specifically referring to? So the passages that most complementarians use to say that women cannot preach or teach is 1 Corinthians 14 verses 34 to 35 and 1 Timothy 2, 8 to 15. Um, as well as I had said before in another podcast, 1 Timothy 3, those list of qualifications, um, you know, people say, well, they're only for men. But the interesting thing is that the original Greek text doesn't actually have the male counterparts in them that are, that are in the English translations of the Bible. And it's just when we look at these passages, it, we've seen people down through the ages say things about them you know we are talking in another podcast about interesting women down through the ages and phoebe palmer was definitely one of those women Mm. who stood out and took on her calling from god um, received a lot of criticism for it but was even able to write a book at the time called tongues of fire on the daughters of the lord you know and and she was arguing for the same thing we've been talking about, that, that women have been given these gifts from God. And, you know, she used that passage in Acts 2 to say, a new thing has been done. And both male and females are um, gifted and are given the spirit of prophecy to mm-hmm. preach and mm-hmm. to teach in this day and age. And she believed that Satan influenced men in the church to take those few scriptures mm-hmm. from Paul out of context, ignore contradictions, and keep women from using their gifts fully. And if we actually look at these passages, it says people say, well, Paul said women must keep silent in churches mm-hmm. in this one specific passage, mm. you know, in 1 Corinthians 14, 34 to 35. And yet, 
in 1 Corinthians 11, verses 5, he's telling women when they prophesy in church, mm. which they can't do silently, mm. <laughs> that they have to make sure their head is covered, which was not, as some people say, a covering that men need to be covering a woman so she can preach by mm. um, being on the stage with her or whatever. There's, there's been that in the past, but it was just an appropriate cultural consideration at the time that women needed to have their heads covered because of a lot of the cults at the time women that didn't have their heads covered were considered promiscuous um, so okay. it was associated yeah. with harlotry yeah. promiscuity right. yeah. Yeah. not that there is anything wrong and it was something that was just for that day because nowadays none of us if we have our hair uncovered are going to be considered we're a harlot <laughs> oh. or a prostitute or something yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes but um I think it's um it's it's really great, Alana, that you referred to that scripture from Paul, um, you know, where he says that women can't teach. Because I think for especially newer Christians, and I'm sure some more mature, but you can just read that sentence and say, oh, yeah, no, women shouldn't teach. And just literally take it at surface level and not understand the deeper context and, mm-hmm. you know, scripture, interpreting scripture and what is really what is really said and like the words that are used. And you can compare them to actual words used in different places, of the Bible. And I just think that's really important these days rather than mm-hmm. just reading it and saying, oh, with my own understanding, this is what it means, because that has caused devastating effects. And this is kind of why we're having this conversation today. And mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's interesting, too, because there's there's two interpretations of First Corinthians 14, 34 to 35 that that are kind of thought of as um, they've been tossed around. And one of them is that, first of all, we need to remember that Paul was talking about disorderly conduct in worship. Um, and most women were not educated at this time. And they would have had a lot of questions about what they were being taught. So it's been said that instead of waiting to ask their husbands who were educated at this time at home, they were asking questions and talking in the middle of the service, which would lead to a lot of confusion (laughs) if people did that in church, you know, it would be hard to hear. And Philip Payne talks about it in his book, Man and Woman, One in Christ, where he mentions that a lot of people think that this was an interpolation, which means that those verses were not even in the actual original text, but were mm. added later. And there's actually significant textual evidence to prove this, including early manuscripts that support that that, that wasn't included in those manuscripts. Oh, wow. um, and it's believed that someone added these to the text in the margin at some point, and then scribes later thought it needed to be added to the text. And it has been thought that people reading 1 Timothy 2, 8 to 15, took it out of context yeah. and, and thought they needed to add something there. Um, you know, so it, it is quite interesting. I think sometimes, you know, we believe like the Bible is God's word, but we also have to understand that sometimes down through the ages, things did get a little mixed up and we can see that the interpretation wasn't always um applied in a way that um, accurately described it because of people's cultural context at the time. Mm -hmm. And in church history shows too that that the way that it's been interpreted and used and you know the fact that it was put into a Latin text and a lot of that was about control and power and a whole lot of things that weren't what the gospels 
we're We're about about. Mm. yeah you know at a time where empires were being forged and yeah and war i mean we still have wars but there was war to claim everything then you know and so the control of that of religious texts Mm -hmm. to lord it over people that was the uh, currency of the day almost yeah mm-hmm. yeah it was and and you know when we look at first timothy 2 8 to 15 this is the other text that they use to say you know women shouldn't teach and i encourage you to go read first timothy 2 8 to 15 um and then see it in light of what i'm talking about but i think it's really been taken out of context because this passage in fact first timothy is dealing with false teachers mm. that's what the premise of the whole book is about Um, And at the time of Paul's letter, Ephesus was the home of the temple of Artemis, who was the great mother goddess, and the Artemis Artemis cult, I don't want to pronounce that right for some reason, (laughs) elevated woman above man because of their mythology. They believed that Artemis, the female, was born first and then helped her brother Apollo. So when Artemis born first, it fed a spirit of female superiority that helped... um, this type of aggressive feminism grow at the time. And it led women to teach in such a way that they were exercising domineering authority over men. And they believed that this was leaking into the church. Um, You know, and the Greek word translated authority here doesn't occur anywhere else in the New Testament. (laughs) And sources Mm -hmm. outside of the Bible use the word to refer to violent crimes, such as murder, rape, or situations of exercising aggressive control. And, you know, this is the type of teaching Paul's referring to in Timothy. You know, Mm. an aggressive assuming of authority without authorization from the church. And this is the same type of authority that Eve was trying to use by using her authority to take the fruit in spite of God's prohibition. Mm. And I think we mentioned this in an earlier episode, but but Paul isn't forbidding women from teaching here. Mm. But the word teaching and aggression are mixed together. So what he's saying is he's forbidding people from teaching. And at the time, it was women who were doing it. So he was rebuking the woman for teaching with this aggressive authority. And he was excluding any unauthorized woman from speaking in the church who would be bringing false teaching in. Um, And when Paul uses the argument that men were created first, it makes perfect sense in light of what the the Artemis cult taught. Artemis was one of the one who thought to bring protection to women in childbirth. Mm. So Paul would reassure them that they would be saved through childbearing Mm. without Artemis being involved you know so it's just interesting to me that these scriptures that are used to actually speak against women in the church actually are condemning what the men who are keeping women yeah from doing uh, this the men who are using those scriptures to control women are actually doing what those scriptures are being (laughs) instructing those women not to do exactly yeah i i think that's the thing is that power whether you're male or female Abuse of power is abuse of power. Mm-hmm. Abuse of authority is abuse of authority. And when you're in that position of teacher, leader, when you're, and particularly when, you know, I mean, obviously in the church and as a Christian, we value 
the the preaching and teaching of the word in such an uh, it's such an important thing for us and so the way that that is done is important obviously (laughs) this is why we're having this podcast Mm -hmm. but this is why it's important that these things are discussed in this context you know that we teach on them that we have conversations with not just young women but you know women uh in ministry and with leaders Mm -hmm. because you know when paul's writing to timothy he's got this young leader and he and the things that he tells him and the instructions he's giving him he's really giving him these practical things for the situation that timothy finds himself in yes yeah like we kind of i think sometimes kind of gloss over that and Mm -hmm. Up until going into Bible college, I hadn't really thought about it much as to whether or not I could be called, should be called to preaching and things like that. That had not occurred to me because of the way I'd been brought up. Mm-hmm. I, you know, my grandmother ran things and <laughs> my mum was running things and my dad was always very supportive. My pastors were always really supportive. And then I get to Bible college and I meet this guy and he's like, well, what about this scripture and that scripture? And when Paul says, well, I forbid women to teach. And I just I was like, oh, my gosh. I also, <laughs> side note, I did date this guy for a little while. <laughs> and obviously uh, it, it didn't work out. But it was story. so, it, <laughs> it wasn't just that <laughs> conversation. There were these other conversations that started to pop up. And I was like, hold on a second. What? And I had, the, I went to um, one of my professors and I said, I am very serious about this because I think I do want to serve God with my life and I have these thoughts and questions and people have started questioning things and I really want to know, am I feeling like I'm called to something that isn't biblical? Like is it biblical or not? And he went through and exactly as you've laid it out in your sermon and the the message and the way that we've talked about it, he went through and he just, I, I I was there for like, hours Mm. and honestly when I walked out it was like oh that light bulb Mm. moment Mm. and the grass looked greener and the sky looked bluer and I just had had this I was like it was so refreshing to have someone with great skill Mm -hmm. and um and also authority and ability like Mm. actually lay that out in scripture and I and that's you know the message that you brought Mm-hmm. that's what inspired all of this was like we need to be talking about this and there are people you know who are teaching on this mm-hmm. and if you are interested in what we're talking about and want to know more there's lots of resources out there now yeah that weren't there 20 years ago mm-hmm. um that you can you know follow up on yeah and that's why it's so important you know because even that takes us back to you know when they talk about because a lot of um, complementarians will use that scripture to say that women are gullible Mm, and men are not because Eve took the fruit she was deceived but the man knew what he was doing well first of all if that's the case isn't that worse that's worse (laughs) yeah sorry but (laughs) the whole thing is is like logically we think about it there's nothing no tests can ever prove that women are more gullible than men. Like it's yeah. just, and, and it's led to that culture 
of treating women as if, oh yes, like a child. Mm. Like you're, you're, you can't understand this. It's too great for you. You're easily deceived. And, and that's just abusive. Yeah. And yeah. it can lead to very wrong teaching and, and it's, it's led to a lot of harm for, for many women. See, with that said, and I'd never heard of the, uh, what is it, the Artemis mm-hmm. cult before. Yeah. I think you pronounced it better than me. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, how do you pronounce that word again? Artemis. <laughs> it sounds so lovely for me. It does. It sounds so lovely with your accent. Just me watching Disney's Hercules for a good portion of my childhood. <laughs> <laughs> the Artemis cult. Yeah, I've never heard of them before, but I have a question. But I just feel like I see a pattern here and with what you're saying about treating women as a child and maybe they, they're gullible and they don't understand. I can say, I'm not really surprised, should I say, that um, um, this cult, like a big part of it was to, uh, like you said, aggressive <laughs> feminism or, mm. or to kind of give them power or domination over men um, because it sounds like a response to those kinds of uh, actions towards them or yeah. um, so there's it seems mm-hmm. to be like there's a pattern like nobody wants to be repressed and nobody wants to be restricted and then a result of that constantly happening goes to the other extreme mm, yeah, where yeah. someone has yeah. to be on top and I'm gonna <laughs> exactly. call the shots yeah. and da 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 there's a fear of that as well like oh we don't want women to be on top and we don't want them to uh dominate so we will continue to restrict and repress but you're just going to cause more desire for (laughs) domination with that Mm -hmm. kind of so it's almost as if there can only be two extremes where you're either repressed and restricted or you know you're going to be on top you know when god wants us to have this cooperative middle that's mm-hmm. that's uh you know what i'm getting yeah, from it yeah. but um just quickly yeah. to ask so with what you're saying about authority would you say that's a key point mm-hmm. uh kind of discerning the difference between uh, authority under god and authority under self in order to know if and when and how women should use their gifts and abilities mm-hmm. yeah well see and the key point is authority right when i preach I don't preach under my own authority, but under the authority of God, the Stone Church, and the Eastern Ontario Nunavut District, who's credentialed me. You know, and, and the interesting thing, you know, is that it's this whole thing of authority that we've gotten wrong, right? Um, the Holy Spirit, God's given us gifts, and he doesn't discern between who gets what gift. If he's given you a gift of teaching, he has given you the authority to use it. You know, it says in Matthew 28, 18 to 20, that all authority in heaven on earth has been given to Jesus. And then he says, so therefore go and preach, you know, go and teach all nations and to, to observe mm-hmm. all that I have commanded you. And he doesn't just give that to men, he gives that to women too. And that's the authority we've been given. God's given us authority to use our gifts. And that's how we know that, that we can use them without needing a head covering of a man, 
yeah. to be on the stage beside us yeah. or whatever. Like we have been given that authority from God because, and the, how we know that is the different gifts that he gives us to use. And then it gets into the idea that some people think that that gift's more important than other gifts, obviously, mm-hmm. and it's not. Mm-hmm. And the Bible makes that clear yeah. mm-hmm. that all gifts are given for the building up of the body and all are needed. Yeah. So if we make it seem like this is the ultimate yeah. gift or the ultimate thing of authority, then then we don't understand what it really means to be a servant leader. And we don't understand that Jesus is the head of the church. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody else. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. we're all under him. Mm. Yeah. So <clears throat> I don't quite know how I'm going to put this into words. So hopefully you can follow along. This is coming up as I'm hearing you guys, you know, talk about authority and men and women preaching and, and, and the different views, I guess, like complementarian versus egalitarian. And so if we at Stone are more egalitarian tilted, but, you know, a lot of us like to follow other people. You know, there's lots of, you know, preachers in the States that we might enjoy, you know, especially when I was doing some YouTube videos and trying to look mm-hmm. up to different people. What if there's like this preacher I really like and they sound great and it sounds like things are hitting home, same with our beliefs, but then all of a sudden there's like this one area. Let's just use this example, like women in ministry, for example. And, you know, so you're loving everything, but then boom, they're like, no, we are complementarian. We don't believe women should be on the stage. Um, do you have any advice? And, and you might have to think about this, but I think like, should, should I at that point say, well, you know what? I don't believe that. And I'm just going to step away from following you all together. Or do I just have to kind of really take what you say, try to take it to scripture, take it to other people with authority that can, you know, what is your stance on that? Cause I, I've, you know, once again, like I'm still learning and growing, but I've in my small time here in the church, I've seen a lot of people kind of come and go and hearing things like, oh, well, that person now is following this other person. But, you know, we don't necessarily believe what they believe. And, you know, um, so do do anyone like do any ladies have any, um, you know, guidance or wisdom on that right now? I think um, we have to weigh up and have wisdom and like to ponder it and think about it and think, well, hold on. What does what does the Bible say? You know, Mm -hmm. why would they be so? Uh, dogmatic about this this one particular thing and yet all the rest I'm like okay with you know and so working through that takes that community you know when you said like you know Mm -hmm. do I take it to other trusted people and people who I know I can talk this through with and you know people who aren't coming at this with um a particular agenda but they're really willing to like that professor of mine who was really willing to hear all my questions and look at this with me and discuss and walk that journey with me Mm -hmm. did you want to add some it's learning not to come at it um with preconceived beliefs yeah but to to read it for what it is and look back and see what did it mean then because it can't mean something different now than it originally meant um but i think like Pastor Kate said that, you know, so we can't just, um, you know, there's some preachers that I listen to or teachings I'll, I'll find, oh, these are really great, but I know other things that they teach that I'm like, well, that's, they're completely um, not able to see things 
because they're so caught up in their own bias towards that subject Mm -hmm. you know and it doesn't even make sense and you're like but they make so much sense when they exegete something else but here they seem to have lost all their their skills at doing it and so it's important to remember that we all can do that so to have grace yeah but also be careful because sometimes you can also get drawn into false teaching yeah that way too so you have to determine for yourself Mm -hmm. do i need to cut this off completely or am i mature enough to listen to this and understand and discern between what is the good teaching and what is you know not did you want to say something tommy or just very quickly for me personally it's important to as the bible says work out work out your own salvation Mm -hmm. i think that's always been in response to that, how I approach that situation, work out your own salvation. If I have a favorite pastor or ministry leader um, and she's a woman and that's really inspiring to me, that's great. But if they fall or something happens, as does happen to all people, mm. and I suddenly lose my faith, mm. then it really makes me think, what was what was that based on then? Yeah. Yeah. If my yeah. favorite pastor only wears, I don't know, red, and then that inspires me to only wear red and now i don't want to wear red anymore because they, you know something yeah. something controversial then it's like actually what what was that you have to really look at yourself and think what is my own relationship with god yeah. and what we were saying about that authority yeah well the thing is too right like god tells us that the holy spirit will lead us into all truth mm-hmm. and that's what he's given it to us for so we can ask holy spirit too to to guide us as we're, you know, reading the Bible. Like God does tell us to search the scriptures, like the Bereans were told to yeah. to not just take what is said or what is preached, but whenever we hear any message, even the messages here at Stone, you should be going home and searching for yourself to make sure that what we're saying is true. Yeah. Um, you just don't take yeah. our word at it, you know, yeah. for it. Um, that's all part of us all growing and maturing yeah. and building ourselves up into the body of believers that that are mature in our faith Mm -hmm. together Mm -hmm. and having an opportunity to discuss things i think bringing the the focus back around with (laughs) women again as well i think that a lot of people haven't had the experience with their faith in particular women where they've been able to in a robust way discuss these things and debate them and you know, mm-hmm. have just, dis- I mean, that was one of the glorious things about being at Bible college. Like everyone's debating everything and <laughs> arguing this, that, and the other. And, uh, and I think in the rabbinical kind of tradition as well, there's a lot of like very vigorous argument and debate about this law and that thing mm-hmm. and that. And we, and particularly women, have been so oppressed from asking questions talking through something debating through something because even just to ask it or to bring it up was usurping authority or being yeah you know being a a problem maker or you know this that and the other and I mean I've been in church board meetings where they're arguing about what color the carpet could be and I'm not talking about that kind of (laughs) ridiculousness I'm talking about real discussion and searching, you know, through scripture and particularly when we've got a particular mindset about something, Mm -hmm. someone coming in with this other perspective and this other and going, well, oh, what about this? And we're like, oh, yeah, I haven't thought about that. And, Mm -hmm. and, uh, 
And, you know, that's, I mean, that's why yeah. we're doing this. Mm-hmm. Well, and it is so important. You know, I grew up in a church that um, is considered a cult. And it taught us to sort of keep all of the Old Testament Jewish laws and stuff like that. And it took me a long time to have to basically forget what I had learned mm. <laughs> growing yeah. up okay. and allow God to to help me read through scripture right from the start and just read it for what it says, mm. not for um, how other people had interpreted it, mm-hmm. it for me. And I think that really helped me a lot yeah. to learn how to, you know, allow scripture to speak for itself mm-hmm. instead of trying to come at scripture with a preconceived idea. And then you're already... Um, not allowing it to speak for itself. Yeah. You know, you're already deciding really before you've even, you know, but when you actually look at it and view it and you you read the background and you read the cultural context and then you just see that these things start coming out and, you know, God's not a God of confusion. Mm. He's not going to say one thing somewhere and something somewhere else. So if it doesn't say, if it seems to contradict then there's something we don't understand and there needs to be more digging yeah and not just assuming two scriptures in the whole bible are going to determine what everything else means and it's Mm. cause us to misread genesis Mm -hmm. and read things into it that aren't there and Mm -hmm. and by that then end up distorting the whole message of reconciliation and what god intended from the very start so we know that we are under like the authority of God when we teach and we preach and everything. So Alana, can you, can we like turn to the topic of, you know, Holy Spirit and how Holy Spirit teaches us and gives us that, that empowerment. Um, you know, let's, let's speak to Holy Spirit in the church. Mm -hmm. Well, I think it's very interesting, you know, um, from the very beginning of Pentecostal and charismatic movements. And even when I've studied history of Christianity, I've seen down through the ages, whenever there was a Holy Spirit move, you actually saw women given the empowerment mm. <laughs> yeah. to preach and use their gifts with no restrictions. Yeah. Uh, you know, so I think <laughs> we can really learn something from what Holy Spirit's trying to tell us. That's where we get the giftings from. And I know some people are cessationists, so they don't believe that the gifts of the Spirit are for now. They were just for the apostles, Mm -hmm. which we're not going to discuss in this episode because we don't (laughs) have time. That's a 10 pot. (laughs) series we'll be doing later. But that's something that, yes, (laughs) has a lot of cultural things to do with that as well. And yet we are a church that believes that the Holy Spirit Mm. empowers us today and gives us gifts. And there's nothing in, that I could read in the Bible that would make us think that the gifts had ceased. The scripture they use, I will say, is in 1 Corinthians 13. Yeah. <laughs> and they try and say that it says, you know, that tongues will cease and prophecies will cease. But it's talking about when Christ returns the second time. Mm. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. we don't need them anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Because we'll be spiritual beings. Yeah. The gifts are for now. Yeah. And that's why it's so important that we use them now. And to think that they're not to be used now is just 
You can well, say it. ludicrous. It's ludicrous. <laughs> well, because then we're, we're keeping everybody from using their gifting. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's just wrong. But the Spirit gives us these gifts, and we'll read it. You can read of them in 1 Corinthians 12 to 14, you know, to build the body of Christ. We can go back to Genesis and we see just as God gave men and women each other in the beginning to work complementary together, to help fill what the other is lacking. It's so beautiful because now he's created his church to work together the same way. Each of us using our gifts to make up for what other are lacking. Mm -hmm. We need to remember in Christ, we have been baptized into one body. We are all filled with the same spirit. There's not different spirits for women and different spirits for men. There's one spirit. And God himself arranged each and every one of us in the body as he chose. So we all have different tasks and functions to do, but God's given us each unique gifts to enable us to do them. And we're all completely equal in Christ. You know, Galatians 3.28, there's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's no male and female. Mm. You're all one in Christ Jesus. There's no distinctions. There's no hierarchy. There's no patriarchy. We're all one in Christ. And we all need each other. It's like... Tommy was referencing different parts needing each other, you know, and the eye can't say to the hand that I have no need of you or the head to the feet I have no need of you because we all function best, we all know, when all our physical body parts are working right. in, <laughs> in order, you know, yeah. but as the body of Christ, of course, we're going to function at our best when all the places, all the proper pieces and places are working together properly. And, you know, some will try and say, well, women were created to do this and men were created to do that. But that's just not the truth. When you yeah. look at the different giftings people have, like some of the giftings I have are what a typical men would have, according to that scale. Yeah. Whereas my husband would have some gifts that women are supposed to have. Yeah. God doesn't gift that way. Yeah. He doesn't give his gifts according to our sex. He gives our gifts according to how he has gifted each and every one of us and mm. placed us in the body. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It makes me laugh when you say that because like, <laughs> I oh I snorted. <laughs> I thought I was going to go the whole podcast. We're not editing that one out. Snorting, but there it is, folks. I'm so sorry. Uh, we were we did a a marriage seminar once, and the guy who was delivering the seminar he said he did say, look, these are generalizations. Like I, you know, these are general things. Like you know, within a relationship, women will do this or and the whole way through this seminar my husband came and he goes so so i'm the i'm the i'm the wife right now right this is i'm the wife you're the, you're the husband in this scenario i'd be like yep and then he leaned over again and i'm the wife again and, he, and i was like yep and then he's like and i'm back to the husband yep feeling good about that i'm back to the husband again it was so funny because for us i was so so thankful for my husband because we talked about this stuff a lot when we first got married and he's kind of he's very he's kind of you he's very relaxed or whatever and um growing up in church life you know there's all these perceptions around what a wife's supposed to be and how a marriage is supposed to work and all that kind of stuff and to be in this seminar and be thinking well hold on we don't function like that like does that mean our marriage something's wrong with our marriage or whatever and (laughs) 
And for us to sit down and talk together and, and have that understanding and have someone who understands that God's given each of us, whether male or female, mm-hmm. all of us have these unique things about us. And we're not supposed to be saying, you're just supposed to function this way because you're a girl and you're just supposed to function, you know, have this skill set because you're a boy. And mm-hmm. um, uh, when you have that and you see that functioning, it's the most beautiful and amazing thing for two people to be to feel supported and released to be who they were called and created to be yeah yeah it's interesting that you bring up the point of people thinking that uh, a woman a woman is supposed to do this and a man is supposed to do that uh you, you saying that we have when we've been given our gifts they're not assigned by gender <laughs> because you know like a, a man might would be better to speak to this, but maybe they don't want to do those things <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that they're supposed to do. And, you know, a woman doesn't want to do those things. I just had a thought about a conversation I was having with a guy about maternity leave, and he was like, why is it always women that need maternity leave? Maybe guys want maternity leave. <laughs> well, they have paternity leave, yeah, they have, but have that same, yeah. like, kind of approach to it. So, yeah, just funny that you say that. But, you know, even if, even if, let's say that women were supposed to do this and men are supposed to do this. That's why I really like um, that verse, you know, uh, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. If we think the eye is supposed to be used for seeing and the hand is supposed to be used for touching. So those are two separate things, okay? Mm. But (laughs) I think of this example, you know when you get an eyelash in your eye? As much as your eye <laughs> might try to pluck it out yeah, itself, it, needs that hand. it simply can't. Like, it doesn't have yeah. the benefit that a hand does. So it's, yeah. again, that complementary skill set, complementary gifts, mm-hmm. and not saying that um, it sh- this should only be for a man and this sh- should only be yeah. for a woman. Because if uh, the hand, <laughs> let's say, has the ability and the skill to do so, but it's confined and... Um, uh, the eye says no only i can do that you know it's possible sorry i'm using this as an example but what i'm trying to say is you know when we're not using our uh, god-given gifts and abilities it's possible i would say that you could become weak in it like mm. the, you know people the say, body is weak because exactly. of it yeah, yeah you're yeah. right you, you're right that you kind of forget how to uh preach or you forget or you're not as good in mm-hmm. um uh, I don't know, leading a prayer group or even singing if that's your, you, you know, mm-hmm. praise and worship if that's your, yeah. you think that's not what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yeah. years passed and that gift gets slowly wasted. You don't yeah. use it. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's sad on both fronts because you're not using it to the benefit of the kingdom of God, but then you're also wasting your own God-given talent. And then what will you have mm-hmm. to say for, you know, at, at the end yeah. of it? So... Yeah, and, and yeah. we're going to get into that in the next podcast yeah. about the talents that we've been given, yeah. and we are going to be accountable to God one day. And mm. He talks about those who hide their talents and bury them. That's not a good thing. So that's why we need yeah. to encourage one another right. yeah. to use the gifts that God's given us, and and we do need to develop them. Mm. And they don't get if they're not used they get rusty right you know but it's through use that they get developed and they grow and then god can use them to have bigger impact 
than than you could even imagine mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for sure alana in your um sermon message which this is based off you kind of talked about um the gifts um from the holy spirit you referenced it to like the analogy of a puzzle um so can you dive into that right now sure um <laughs> i borrowed uh, that illustration from my friend lois and she was we were talking about this subject and she said if you're doing a puzzle and you're missing some of the pieces it's going to make it hard to put together and if you do manage to you're just not going to get the full picture and i think when we tie that into our spiritual gifts they were given to us not to cause competition but to unify us and when we see them as gifts of grace given to us to fulfill our part of the team and see ourselves as a team moving forward together to bring glory to god it leaves no room for comparison you know and it leaves no room for diminishing discouraging or disempowering anyone to use their gifts Instead, we need to be encouraging and uplifting one another to use our gifts so that we are functioning at full capacity and we're not missing any puzzle pieces, <laughs> right. you know, that people get the full picture of Christ from us, yeah. not this mismatched <laughs> picture. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think left on that empowering note from <laughs> Alana, uh, we're going to finish off episode three here. And uh, we've got one more to go, people. So sit tight. And, you know, if you're, wa- you're listening to all four, you know, press next. And uh, you don't want to miss next week's episode of Women on Mission. Thanks for listening to the Stone Church Podcast. For more information about the Christian faith and Stone Church, visit us online at stonechurch.ca.